Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to The Flip Side of Adversity. I'm Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are excited to launch our September theme of education, empowerment, and equity. And our very special guest, Elle Cole, will be able to not only share her story, um, her insight, but also empower us with education, with an understanding of equity issues, and also as her podcast and her platform encourages cleverly changing, her goal is to empower all of our lives. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Elle Cole is a mom of twins. And after she and her husband learned that her daughter had sickle cell disease, she wished there was a guide to help parents and kids understand more about how the condition actually affects a person's body. Therefore, using her family's experience, she wrote the books. <laughs> and the books have been written to encourage and inspire children, one of which is the Ultimate Sickle Cell Activity Book, ABCs of Sickle Cell Disease, a sickle cell coloring book for kids. They come in, but they are both bilingual books and they are used in hospitals to educate their youngest and most vulnerable patients. L is a parent advocate for sickle cell disease and type one diabetes. She serves as a member of the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute's Cure SCI Community Input Panel, the Children's National Hospital Community Advisory Board, and is an All Stripes Rare Disease Ambassador. And in 2020, Elle received the Advocating for Another We Go Health Award. And in 2021, she partnered with the Sickle Cell Community Consortium to co-host the first annual Sickle Cell Caregiver Summit. As a writer, motivational speaker, and social media strategist, she is committed to raising awareness about genetic disorders and autoimmune diseases to help improve the quality of life for people living with these illnesses. In addition, as I mentioned moments ago, she produces the Cleverly Changing Homeschool Podcast, which Feedspot has named podcast number three on the top 20 homeschooling mom podcast list. Elle is also the recipient of the bronze Congressional Award and has been featured on NPR, ABC7, BBC, World Service Radio, Good Morning Washington, and many other podcasts. As I shared earlier, we are in day one of our September theme, and our focus this month is education, empowerment, and equity. We are also raising awareness as September is also Sickle Cell Awareness Month. And with an opportunity to educate and empower people with understanding the numbers and impact of the disease and trait, 
we are honored to have with us today one who has impacted this community in such powerful ways. Welcome to the conversation, L. Cole. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be here and an honor to talk with you about something I am truly passionate about. And so, yes, September is National Sickle Cell Awareness Month. And so I hope that this conversation will really help people learn how they can celebrate all month long. So, Elle, I I did a little bit of research in preparation for our conversation and some of the data that I was able to see acknowledges that sickle cell disease is estimated to affect about 100,000 Americans. And it occurs among about one out of every 365 African-American births and about one out of 16,300 Hispanic American births. About one out of 13 African-American babies are born with a sickle cell trait. Can you help us understand first, what is sickle cell disease and why is it so prevalent? When we look at the data, when we look at the numbers, why is it so prevalent in the African-American community? Absolutely. So. Before I get into why it's so prevalent, I want to say that those statistics are the statistics that we have, but what we know is they're not doing ongoing uh, statistics. So we believe that those numbers that have been reported are low. Um, And so what we are fighting for is new database that will give us new numbers. And so, yes, that is the information that we have, but we know that is not the whole story and it's not the biggest picture. So sickle cell is considered a rare disease here in the United States because according to the statistics that we have, it affects less than 200,000 Americans. So the numbers say 100,000, But here's the thing, we know that if there's one out of 13 African-Americans that have the trait, and let's unpack that for a second. So if two people have the trait and they start procreating, they have one in four chance with every single pregnancy of having a child with sickle cell disease. And so for those of us who aren't familiar with sickle cell disease, it is a genetic disorder. So what does that mean? It is not something that is contagious. It means that you are inheriting this disease from both of your parents. So if only one parent has it and the other parent does not have the disease and does not have the trait, it's impossible for you to inherit it. But if one parent has the disease or one parent has the trait and both parents, you know, procreate, together, then there is a chance that the offspring will have, um, may have sickle cell disease. And so it is important for us to know our history. Sickle cell disease affects the red blood cells. And so we know that we have different blood cells in our body. We have red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets, but our red blood cells are supposed to be round like a donut or a circle. And unfortunately with people that have sickle cell disease, 
their blood cells are kind of C-shaped, are shaped like a banana. That's how it gets its name, sickle cell. And so what happens with those red blood cells, your red blood cells carry oxygen throughout your entire body. So wherever the red blood cells flow, a person can have what is called a pain crisis. And so we know that the red blood cells that are sickle shaped can get hard and sticky and that can cause excruciating pain, but it can also cause many other complications. So when people talk about sickle cell, they often talk about that pain crisis as the hallmark of the disease. But what we're trying to do is really educate people because it's more than just pain. Sickle cell, because it affects the red blood cells, can really impact every single organ in a person's body. And so that's why it's so important for us as African-Americans to really know our history and know whether or not we are trait carriers, know if there is a history of sickle cell in our families. And so that's really why I'm so passionate. Yes, I and my husband, we married, we did not know we had the trait. And so because of our experience, I've made it my business to educate others and really help them understand that what you don't know can in fact hurt you or your offspring. This is such a powerful opportunity for us to not only educate our listeners on the disease, uh, but I also am curious, you said something earlier that the numbers that we have um, are probably low because they're not continuing to track it. When it impacts people of color, African-Americans at such a high ratio, why wouldn't we know more? And why, why, does it, why is it so prevalent with African-Americans? So it is believed that because we come from um, places that had malaria that long time ago, there was a mutation that happened where the sickle cell trait was actually supposed to help prevent malaria. So it doesn't only affect African-Americans, anybody who comes from regions, subtropic regions that had malaria may have the sickle cell trait. And in my advocacy, I have seen people of all different demographics, including white children and adults who have sickle cell disease. So we often put the picture of black people with sickle cell, but really it is a blood disorder. And what we know is anybody can have it. Hmm. How can communities and family members actually support anyone with the disease? What are some of your suggestions? So first and foremost, what I like to tell people is give blood. In the African-American community, giving blood can be kind of taboo, not something we want to talk about. We're not necessarily on the front lines of donating our blood, but we need it. The sickle cell community has been 
really looking for different types of treatments. And one of the treatments that exists right now is blood transfusions. Not all sickle cell patients get blood transfusion, but a lot of them do. I would even go as far as to say the majority have had at least one or several blood transfusions in their lifetime. And so one of the biggest things, especially coming off of the pandemic, we're still in it, but especially now there is a greater need because people are giving less. So if you are listening to me and you can donate blood, whether you have sickle cell trait or not, you can donate blood. And so we need more blood donations. And Mm -hmm. so you can go on the American Red Cross website to see when's the next blood drive in your area or contact them and they will let you know how you can donate blood. So that is the the most important. And I think um, there is a, a really great need for blood donations. The second thing that people can do is find a community-based sickle cell organization in your community. There is a national organization called the Sickle Cell Disease Association of America out of Baltimore, Maryland. And there are different national nonprofits, different nonprofits that are local to your community that you can volunteer at or donate to. One of the reasons why we don't have enough data is because the sickle cell community is not getting enough funding for research. It is increasing. In the last 10 years, I've seen an explosion of new research, new grants, and um, new treatments, but we need more. What I also want to share with you is sickle cell disease is the most common genetic disorder in the world. And I'm going to pause for a second just so that can sink in. Right. Say that again for us. Sickle cell disease is the most common genetic disorder in the world. Mm. And so these numbers that we have, they are inadequate because our world, it is a global issue. It is not just an issue only affecting Americans. It is affecting people of all nationalities and ethnic groups around the world. And You know, I want to just say that sometimes people hear about people with sickle cell anemia, but now we really refer to it as sickle cell disease because there are different hemoglobin mutations that can happen. And when that person um, procreates with someone who has sickle cell trait, that can also produce other variations of the disease. So for instance, you'd shared the statistic about the 16,300 Hispanic Americans who have sickle cell disease. They often have what is called SD, Mm-hmm. sickle cell disease mm-hmm. or SE sickle cell disease. And so those are different hemoglobin mutations. That means they have a sickle trait mutation as well as a hemoglobin D or a hemoglobin E mutation. And so the hallmark in African-Americans who have sickle cell disease, often they have one of two types. Usually it's sickle cell um 
SS, hemoglobin mm-hmm. SS, or SC. And SC is the sickle cell trait and the C hemoglobin gene. So yes, it's kind of complex with the science, but there are many different types of sickle cell disease. And so that's why now we don't only say sickle cell anemia, we say sickle cell disease, because it does impact more than just people who have SS. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us and also providing uh, clarity on what we can do as a community. We are getting ready to um, go into our first break. It, it always comes up so fast. When we come back from this break, I know that you had twin daughters, but not both of both of them did not um, end up having sickle cell disease. So your passion um, began with their story. And now you have uh, authored books that support children to better understand their bodies, educate them on their bodies and, and how sickle cell can impact a person's body. And I would think also with that information, you have empowered children to become advocates for their own health. And so I look forward when we come back from this break in jumping into us talking about your books and why you decided to to write them and how they are impacting children's lives, as well as probably the caregivers who are supporting them. So as we get ready to take this break, I hope that you will um, continue to follow Living Strong Consulting as we are journeying into this month of September, focusing on how we can continue to broaden our awareness in education. Knowledge is power, but we want to Follow that with wisdom and understanding and action and movement and Living Strong Consulting. If you check us out, our website is livingstrongllc.com. We provide several websites, uh, web webinars, as well as in-person trainings that will help schools, communities, faith-based organizations, and even one-on-one opportunities to broaden our understanding around education, around empowerment, and most importantly, our passion for equity. So during this break, check out our website. Again, that's livingstrongllc.com. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The White House doctor makes house calls. 
Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back to this powerful conversation with Elle Cole. She's been explaining... um, enlightening us, providing with us with education around sickle cell disease, understanding the numbers, challenging us to, to support the community, to be able to provide blood donations, to further um, support those who often treatment comes through blood transfusions. But she's also beginning to uh, challenge us in the conversation around research. And before we jump into that, I wanted an opportunity because I'm an educator at heart and many of those who follow our um, podcast and our radio show are also educators impacting children's lives. I know that you have written books that have helped um, tell your story as well as empower young people to be advocates to understand the disease and understand how it impacts not only through pain, but the entire body. So can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to write the book, what the books are, and how are we using them today? Absolutely. So when my daughters were about two, and you mentioned earlier, I have twins, And after giving birth to them in the newborn screening that they do, we found out that my twins were um, only one had sickle cell disease. They're fraternal twins. So they were from two different sacs. They're completely individual children. And so one of my twins has sickle cell disease and the other has sickle cell trait. And so growing up, I was very intentional about teaching my children because I knew that their health really mattered. And in order to make an impact on the way that you live and the habits that you have, it's best to start early. And so when my daughters were little, around two, our family doctor suggested that I homeschool them. And so because of that, I had an opportunity to be even more intentional about how I taught them about cooking food, about you know what foods are healthy for the body, how to listen to your body. And so when I began to speak as a caregiver, 
my audience let me know that they wanted something more, more than just an inspirational conversation. They wanted something tangible. Mm -hmm. And when my daughter was five, she had her first pain crisis and it was so life-changing because all that time they tell you your child has sickle cell disease, but it is until you start to see those complications that you really start to believe it and start to understand what that means. No book can really prepare you for sitting through a crisis and seeing it affect your child or your loved one. And so with that said, the crisis that she had lasted for several days. So sometimes we hear the word crisis and we're like, oh, they'll have pain for an hour. Just based on, you know, what we know, we know childbirth being one of the worst pains a person can have. Well, studies have shown that sickle cell pain is much worse than even the pain of childbirth. And so when I saw my my small five-year-old going through this crisis, I said, if something were to happen to me, I have to teach her. I have to put this information in a book so that if I'm not here to tell her, the information will be accessible. And so that was really the why behind why I wrote my very first book. And then after talking to um, a close friend, her name is Brandy Riley, she suggested that I turned the book into a coloring book. And I thought it was a great idea because often when people go to the hospital, they need something you know, that they can do that will distract them. And we know that coloring can be soothing. It's a stress reliever. And when you're in a hospital, it's a stressful situation. So I said, hey, this is, you know, this can be impactful in my community. So the very first book that I published, it took me about six years to actually publish it because I had the thought, I had the words, but it took me time to find an illustrator that was perfect for this particular message. And what I did, I published the book is called A Sickle Cell Coloring Book for Kids. So it's self-explanatory. And it really shows the diversity of sickle cell disease. And it also goes from A to Z in explaining how sickle cell impacts a person's body. And I like to really break things down. I think we've done that in this conversation, but I like to make it so simple that even a child could understand it. And I really get that from my my training as a homeschool mom. And so I was able to give all that love and energy that I put into teaching my own children to other people. And yes, my book is geared towards children, but really anybody can learn from the books and benefit from them. And so the second book, my my daughter she is now 13. And when she was 12, I published my second book because she was older. And I knew here I have these two children and they need to take this a step further, their education. And so all of the information that I learned, I wanted to really um, pack that information into a book to explain it to my kids. And so it's very personal in what I do, but it can truly benefit other people. And so the second book that I wrote is um, a sickle, um, 
It's called the ultimate sickle cell activity book for kids because learning should be fun. I found the most success in teaching in my homeschool when I made their education fun. And so there's different types of activities. There are word searches. I'm also, I also have a background in history. So I wanted to celebrate the African-American pioneers who really made an impact in the sickle cell community by helping to come up with different treatments, by raising money, by starting different organizations. So I put that in the book as well. So it's really a phenomenal book. It's over a hundred pages. And I, um, just put all of that information that will teach you about the complications. It teaches you how blood works and really just breaks that information down. So if there's anybody who wants to understand this disease a little better, that would be the book that they should get because it starts with the timeline talking about sickle cell trait and it goes all the way through where we are now with the research. And so I really um, encourage people to get that book. And so, yes, I have other books. Those books have been translated into Spanish. My hope is to get them translated into French. And the middle book is really a picture book. It's the same as the coloring book, ABCs of Sickle Cell Disease. And that's really for schools and classrooms. You talked about educators. Really, because it's so prominent in our community and in our world, every child should be educated about the different types of genotypes and why this is important. And so that would be the great book to get for your libraries and mm -hmm. you can request it at your local library. Encourage other people to put this book into their community. So this conversation isn't something we just have once in a while, but we're having it regularly. As I listen to you as an educator, first of all, you are talking my language, uh, coloring absolutely the neurological impacts that happen when we're coloring as well as when we have information that is delivered in such a way that I can take it in with bite-sized chunks, it immediately had me think about the parents who receive the diagnosis. And it's an opportunity where you have taken something that could be a fear state and you have applied such wisdom and knowledge that I would imagine the tools that are within each of your books could also impact the caregiver to manage their fear responses, um, the stages of potential denial, and the, the instead of creating a bubble around their child, but actually turning it into an opportunity to empower them, but also having them live full lives. Have you also found in your conversations with caregivers how to better help them manage the stress in the response? Absolutely. Sometimes I get different messages on social media and it's from people who have received my book often from a hospital. And they often, I remember one message in particular, and the mom said, you know what, I have a daughter named Layla too, and I couldn't wait to show my Layla the book. So it was something that the child could resonate with. Here it is, another child that she can relate to. 
you know, who, who may look similar, may have some similarities, but shares the same name, that's amazing. And it's also let people know that your child can do many different type of things because each one of those images is not just showing them in a bed and having pain. It's showing them active. It's showing them doing different things, but it's also very intentional to show different types of providers. And so they can see themselves as the patient. They can see themselves as the provider. They can see themselves doing all different types of things because the book delivers different messages. And that was very intentional because my daughter has been fortunate to have all different types of of professionals, professionals, healthcare professionals who look like her and who who love her genuinely. And so I wanted to have a book that reflected that that relationship. And parents have also told me they appreciate the book because it lets their child feel more included. Sometimes having a chronic illness can be isolating. And so it is one of those things where they feel like they're not alone. There are other children who face similar things. And it kind of lets them know in the back of my book, I also share other people's books. Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like our world needs to have a better grasp of this thing. And so I want to, I don't want people to just see my books. I want them to see all different types of books about sickle cell. And I celebrate that inside my book. And so it gives them a direction on how to learn more, how to look up other books. And so they've let me know that they really appreciate that. And what I hear more than anything is people say, I just thought I was going to buy a coloring book. And it's so much more than that. And that's really the comment that touches my heart where people are like, oh, it was it was so impactful. The words were so loving. And some people have told me that they've gotten to, um, I heard one comment where they got to the page about love. So L is for love. And they said they started to cry because that page just touched them. And so, yes, it's a coloring book. Yes, it's so simple with the ABCs, but really it is a message that goes above and beyond that. And that was intentional. I put the love that I have for my children and for teaching them inside the book. And I'm so thrilled that that message is conveyed. And so I love that caregivers are able to see hope. One of the last pages of the book is, um, it gives children an opportunity to draw a picture of themselves. And it says, dream big. And to me, that is the hope I have for my child. I want her to dream big. I have had the privilege of meeting people with sickle cell disease who are all different types of professions in this world. And so I know that my child can live a healthy life and go on to achieve her dreams. But I think sometimes we're so isolated from each other. Everybody doesn't have that opportunity. And so I tried in a subtle way to really give children that opportunity to do, to dream big, to think big and go beyond. One of my favorite letters is the letter Z. (laughs) And it says that one day I hope there will be zero pain. And so, yes, we still have sickle cell disease, but I truly believe that there will one day be a cure. And that hope is conveyed in the book. 
I am so encouraged by your passion and absolutely how you have taken your honest, loving heart and now provided tangible um, tools for not only the children, but the caregivers as well. We're getting ready to take our second break. And before we do that, if you could tell us where we can find the book, how can we, how can we access you and how can we follow you as we get ready for our second break? Absolutely. So all of my books are available on Amazon. You can also go to my website, cleverlychanging.com slash shop. There is a link on the website that says shop and you can click on that link and you can see all of the books that I've written. There are now six titles that are available that you can choose from. And so those are two of the places. Also my Instagram page, you can buy directly from Instagram. You can also buy the books directly from Facebook. So I provide many ways for you to connect with the publications and really have access to them or give your community access to them. Because I recognize that everybody doesn't have a personal relationship with sickle cell disease, but someone that you know will. So it could be a coworker, it could be someone at your child's school, someone at your church, someone at your grocery store, wherever you are and wherever you go, I'm sure that you are communicating and interfacing with people who are impacted by sickle cell disease. And just before we head out to our second break, can you share your social media handles? Yes, I am at Cleverly Changing on Facebook, Instagram, and also on YouTube. So that's Cleverly Changing. And on Twitter, I'm on, on there as Cleverly Changing just without the G because I had too many characters. But definitely follow me, send me DMs. I am here to be a resource to the community. Thank you so much. As we get ready to take our second break, when we come back, I do want to dig into we've covered education, we have covered empowerment. And now I'd like to end our section, um, our session, our conversation around equity. So when we come back, we'll jump into that part of the conversation. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame 
to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. Ever wanted to know what makes you, you? Why you think and feel the way you do? And more important, what the motivation for your behavior is? And when you know this about yourself, what do you do with all of it anyhow? Learning about your Enneagram type helps answer these questions and so much more. Listen to The Traveling Enneagram with host Nikki Myers for answers to these questions. Thursdays at 12 p.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. As we talk about education, empowerment, I'd love for us to dig into equity. Um, how would you say stigmas and stereotypes about the disease have impacted the lifespan of black and brown patients who are navigating a health system that they don't always trust? There is so much that I can say about this. And if there is anyone who knows about the sickle cell community, there is injustice that comes up prejudice that comes up, racism that comes up. All of those words are very prevalent when it comes to the sickle cell community. And why is that? So the fact that you probably didn't know that sickle cell was the most common genetic disorder in the world, that's an injustice because it is something that we should be well aware of. The fact that you may be listening to me and you don't know if you carry the sickle cell trait that is an injustice because you could procreate and have a child with sickle cell disease, but you didn't know. I talk about my own experience of not knowing. That is wrong, that is not fair. So when we talk about health equity, we should be able to give everybody the best quality of life as possible, but people with sickle cell disease haven't been afforded that for a number of reasons. One is that Sickle cell disease was first really discovered and um, researched in 1910. We are now in 2022, and there is not a medicine that is specifically for a pain crisis, for pain in particular. 
There are now new medications that help different types of sickle cell disease. Most of them are to increase a, a person's fetal hemoglobin so that they can prevent a crisis, but there really isn't anything for once that crisis and that once it is in place. And we know we've all heard about the opioid crisis. So right now, many doctors are treating sickle cell patients with opioids and Sometimes they're looked at as drug seekers and sickle cell patients are not. They are really just trying to live. And what I've learned this uh, past year, I took a class and became a certified sickle cell medical advocate because I really wanted to understand the science behind it and how I could better advocate for others. And by taking that course, I learned that sometimes when patients go into the ER, they're really discriminated against. They're not always given the proper saline, the proper um, hydration methods. They're not always looked at and believed. Mm -hmm. At the very least, they should be respected as a person and given medicines to help ease that pain because a person can experience a crisis so bad that causes them, it can be fatal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so yes. it is very important that they have the right medications. They also have to see different types of specialists. And so hematologists are really the doctors that specialize in blood disorders. All hematologists aren't um, specialists on sickle cell disease. So we actually have a shortage of healthcare professionals that specialize in sickle cell disease. There are healthcare workers who are not trained on how to treat sickle cell patients. They do not understand what sickle cell disease is. So that is one of the reasons why sickle cell patients are discriminated against. I have had friends who are sickle cell patients who've had the um, police called on them while they've been at the ER because the hospital didn't want to treat them anymore. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of cancer patients experiencing that, but often it is the hematology and an, an oncology team that are treating sickle cell patients, but they're not always given enough training mm, to yes. effectively treat the patients. So right. sickle cell is a very specialized illness. And so what my hope is, is that more people will choose to become a hematologist. Unfortunately, hematologists aren't well paid. We tend to think of specialists being some of the highest paid doctors. Well, hematologists aren't some of the highest paid doctors. So I think we can, we can fight for hematologists to get more pay to make it a more attractive profession to go in. And I am grateful for those who have dedicated their lives to helping sickle cell patients, but we need more. The healthcare system is stacked up against sickle cell patients. Mm -hmm. They are not always receiving the proper education about their disease. That's why I had to write the books, the books. because the books weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been able to go right to any store and pick up books that would help my daughter, that would have um, people in the books that were 
representative of who she is, but mm -hmm. also were well made. So there mm -hmm. were some things, you know, but we like things that look good, that feel good, that that are attractive. So that matters too. Sometimes sickle cell patients aren't always given the best. They're giving leftovers for other disease. And, you know, when we talk about reproducing, that has really come up a lot in what I've said. We know that the maternal health care system isn't that favorable to Black women as they reproduce. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I remember my story when I found out that my husband and I were both trait carriers. The OBGYN said, hey, if you want to bank your child's core blood, you can. That's not enough information. I had to really get down and research why that was even an option and important. So there are some places that will, if you have another child with sickle cell disease, they will actually bank your child's cord blood for free. So it is, you know, I have that information on my site, but you have to do the research. Unfortunately, the healthcare system hasn't made it easy for us by compiling all of this information or even saying, hey, if you have the sickle cell trait, you should look out for these things because sickle cell trait, what we know is it's not always benign. And so I want people to not only recognize the inequity that exists, but to say, hey, this population in America deserves better. They deserve to be able to have the highest quality of health there is because every person does. And we know the healthcare system here in America needs a lot of work. And so as a parent of a child with sickle cell disease who has private insurance, it is really, mm. really expensive. Yes. One of the things that my child has to get is uh, what is called a TCD. That is a transcranial Doppler um, ultrasound. And so they test the blood flow in her brain. Unfortunately, with the healthcare um, insurance that I have, sometimes that test can cost me as much as $700. So that just kind of puts in perspective mm -hmm. that when we send our kids to the doctor, if they happen to go to the ER, that means hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars out of our pocket. And that's a story that we don't always get to hear about sickle cell. And sometimes we think everybody is just getting state insurance and things are free. That is not the case. And so even if a person is getting state insurance, they deserve to have more health literacy. They deserve to have a healthcare professional that cares, that is well-versed in their disease. Mm -hmm. Sometimes sometimes there have been some nurses and other healthcare professionals that whisper and say nasty things about sickle cell patients. And you know, that is something that is common in the healthcare system. So my hope is that by, you know, taking something simple as a book to really give my community hope, but it can kind of change the way we look at sickle cell patients as a whole. Often pediatric patients are treated with love because nobody wants to see a cute little kid hurting. But when they become an adult, that that can shift mm -hmm. and that patient can really be seen as a problem. And a person is born with sickle cell. You have some healthcare professionals that will ask, well, how long have you had it? There's clearly a disconnect if you're asking that question. And so we want our world to be better educated. So my books aren't just for people here in America. I want them available for people around the world because it is something that people are facing and people shouldn't be discriminated against. 
So there are economic barriers that we have to overcome. There are social barriers because as a Black person, we often don't want to tell somebody you have sickle cell disease or I have sickle cell trait. These should be conversations that we're not afraid to have. We should erase the stigma and, and be proud of who we are. But I think if we did a better job of educating people about sickle cell trait, it actually would be more preventable if people mm -hmm. only knew. And so um, I think that's a long answer about health But equity. it was a thorough answer. It was a thorough answer. And it really speaks to, as you began to talk about um, not only um, the stigmas within the community, but the stigmas, the misconceptions um, within the, the healthcare system, as well as the healthcare providers, recognizing we have an opportunity to inform and provide education because I'm so connected with every individual, as you shared, deserves to have the highest quality of care. I can't believe how quickly our hour has gone by. We only have about four minutes left. And I want to wrap us up with actually thinking about the caregivers. As a caregiver and an advocate, um, what strategies would you offer other parents who have children with special needs? I, I feel like your passion, it does circle around sickle cell disease, but there are transferable skills that you have learned, cultivated. If someone is listening and they have a child with some other condition or um, are experiencing some other type of special need or special ability, what closing uh, tips or strategies would you offer them? So first and foremost, I want to be fully transparent and let people know that my daughter that has sickle cell disease also has an autoimmune disease as well. So it's not just sickle cell disease that I have to be concerned about. My daughter also is type 1 diabetic and she wears an insulin pump. So the advocacy that I do and the information that I share, I've had to research. So first and foremost, if you are a caregiver, regardless of what health condition or what challenges your loved one is facing, you have to research. I'm a introvert by nature. That's my personality, but I've had to come out of my shell and speak up and advocate and raise my voice and speak on behalf of others and with others because I know that the experiences that I'm having, other people are having them. Mm -hmm. And we have to work together to make change happen. It's not going to happen overnight just by osmosis. It is through our fighting, through us raising our voice, through us contacting our senators, our legislators. So I spoke a lot about um, national nonprofits and uh, community-based organizations. Many different health conditions have community-based organizations. So partner with them, get to know the fighters behind there, become one. Volunteer with these organizations because they need a lot of help. If you are any type of professional and you've asked for volunteers, you know there is a shortage of people volunteering. So be one of those volunteers to make a difference. 
all different types of diseases need more people to amplify their voices. I share many different messages on my platforms. There are people who are sharing messages on all platforms that exist. Amplify their voice, reshare, just like um, we said earlier, reshare this broadcast so other people can know. And so whenever you hear people talking about diseases that need um, their voices amplified, be that person to make a difference. Also, you can donate to organizations. Really, I know we always are asking people to dig deep in their pockets and help these organizations, but that's how we raise awareness. That's how we um, really give to the community. So as a caregiver, give to organizations that impact your child. We all pay taxes and have to deal with that. And so what I realized is why not give to the organizations that impact me directly? You know, you can choose to support organizations that are hearing your voice, that are supporting your community. And so I encourage you to do that. I also encourage parents not you know to what, shelter Elle? their child. Oh, so we have 30 seconds and I want to make sure we give the the website address to your summit, because I feel like caregivers will gain even more insight if they participate. So can you give us that link before we close out? Yes, the first weekend in November, go to scdcaregivers.org and you can hear about the Caregiver Summit that will be coming up the first weekend in November. And so I hope that you will become a caregiver that will participate in the summit. And I appreciate you for listening. This has been informative. It has been empowering. And we even dug deep into transforming stereotypes, stigmas, and raising our voice to advocate for equity. Elle, you have been an amazing first guest to our conversations. I truly appreciate you. And for our listeners, please share this conversation with someone else to create an opportunity for someone who might feel as though they're on the backside of adversity, recognize that there can be and is a flip side to any adversity and an opportunity for hope. We hope that you will log in same time, same place next week. We'll see you on the flip side. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.